All right, we're going to continue our series. We've been doing this all summer. The series called Lessons Learned. And it's basically been looking at different things I've learned over the years. You know, I came into the faith from the outside, didn't really have a clue what was going on. And I feel like I picked a few things up over the last three plus decades. Today, we're going to talk about uh, a lesson that I learned, which is the need to search for the holy thing. Sometimes you don't see the holy thing. There might be a holy thing there, but you don't always see it. So when I was a kid, it didn't take me very long to realize that I really didn't have a clue about a lot of different things. You know, as a kid, you, you look around and it seems like everybody else seems to understand things and you don't understand them. I wasn't the most socially quick uh, little guy. You know, I would smile and that solved most of my problems. So I just kind of went with that for a long time as a little guy. Just smile, hope for the best. Didn't really know what was happening. But as long as I was friendly, it seemed like things worked out. So I was missing a lot of the social pieces, you know, and then uh, all also, when I was a little kid, I was terrible at reading. I, I didn't know how to read. It took me a long time, a lot longer than everybody else. And, and so I knew that everybody seemed to understand that, but I didn't understand that. So I realized that uh, I was missing stuff, that people understood things that I didn't understand. And that was bad in a certain way. You know, I mean, there was some issues, insecurities and different things I had to work through uh, and just come to peace with who I am and realize this is just the way it is. And here we go. Trust God. Um, but at the same time, there was a good thing that came from that. And that good thing was that uh, I kind of learned to live with the assumption that I'm missing something. There's something here I don't see. So I can be curious and try to find out. What are the things that I don't see yet, that I don't understand yet? I can find some of those things and this will make more sense. So rather than coming into situations thinking, yeah, I got this all figured out. I know everything. I would come into situations thinking, wow, there's a whole lot of things I don't know. I wonder what I can discover, what I can find. And that was very helpful. But there were also still times that I just sort of had an arrogant viewpoint, thought I knew what was going on, and, and that didn't work out so well. I'll talk about that some here as we go through our sermon time. So I knew that I might be missing something. I was missing things. I didn't understand everything. And that is also true of our understanding of the things of God. There are things that God has for us. There are things in understanding God. There are things in our day-to-day -day life, in our relationship with God that we can miss that we don't understand all of, that can get away from us. So I think that goes without saying that we're missing something with regards to the things of God. We don't have full understanding, but I think that's a very important thing to realize. And we need to search for those things that we don't understand. And that's what I'm talking about today with the idea of searching for the holy thing. There's a holy thing there. You might not see it, but look for it. Don't have a jaded view. Look for the holy thing. So we see this in scripture quite a bit, you know, people missing something from God. I want to read a couple of examples uh, because, you know, I, again, I think it goes without saying, but a lot of times we just miss the stuff from God. And here's a couple Fun examples, Luke 24, 13 through 16. This is towards the end of the gospel of Luke. And at this point, Jesus has been crucified and he's risen from the grave and he's appearing to people. And in this case, on the road to Emmaus, he appears to a couple of the disciples and they don't even know who he is. So here we go. 
Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. So Jesus is there talking with them and they have this long conversation and it's pretty neat. But the point is, is that they were having a conversation with the resurrected Christ and they didn't even realize it. Sometimes we miss the holy thing. Now they figured it out later and, uh, you know, it all worked out, but they were kept It says there, did you see that last bit there on 16? But they were kept from recognizing him. So there was some, apparently some sort of divine purpose for them not recognizing him in the moment. So they were kept from recognizing him. I presume that means God was behind that. That's how I read the language there anyway. So let's go to Hebrews 13 verse 2 and we'll see something very similar. It says this, this is an amazing verse. It says, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Remember the first time I heard that, I was like, what? Angels walking around on earth that look like people and you might not even be able to tell the difference? Like, that's amazing. Well, here it is. You know, be nice to people because you might be being nice to an angel. You might be helping out an angel who's got a flat tire on the road. You know, it's hard to say, but uh, it's possible. And that's what it says there in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. So there is holy things that happen that people miss. That goes without saying, but it's true. It's a scriptural thing. We see it. And here's the principle in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We see the basic principle behind it, you know, that we just know in part. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 13, 9 through 12. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Now I know in part, we know in part, we prophesy in part. Now is the time where we don't have everything figured out. We know pieces of the puzzle, but we don't have everything figured out. This is a scriptural truth. It's obvious, of course, that we don't have everything about God figured out, but it's just something that's acknowledged that we should acknowledge. We know in part, we know some of the story. We have pieces of the puzzle, but we don't have the whole thing. And the reality is, is that God can reveal certain things to us, or he can even conceal things from us. So we don't have all of the information, but we can gain revelation from God, or we can have things concealed. This is an amazing thing that we look at in Matthew chapter 13. Here, the disciples were asking Jesus uh, a very important question. It's a question that I was asking God, and then I read this, and I'm like, that's my question, and this is it. Let's look at Matthew 13, verse 10. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? And I thought, well, this is a fantastic question because if you're trying to spread the truth of God to the world, why would you hide it in a bunch of riddles? 
doesn't make any sense to me. What you should do, see, I, I knew what to say. I said, what you should do is you should write in the stars each night, Jesus is Lord, and each night have it be a different language, and then we'll all know, and it'll work out great. Everybody will believe, and that's what we want, right? So I was like, why wouldn't you do that? Well, Jesus answers the question, and the answer to the question I had is the same answer to the question the disciples had. Verses 11 and 12, Jesus replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. And as we see in the scriptures, people kind of resisted that line of reasoning, you know, with the parable of the talents, you know, like Take the one from that guy and give it to the guy who has 10. And they're like, but he's already got 10. Well, this is a scriptural principle. If you have, you'll be given more. If you don't have, what you have can be taken away. God can reveal things to people and he can conceal things from people. And we want to get on the right side of that. You know what I mean? Like if, if God is going to be helping some people, we want to be the people he's going to help. I mean, that just seems very obvious. So how do you get to be one of the people that God is going to help? Well, I suppose that's a, a big topic, but let me just give you this. Repent, <laughs> put your faith in Jesus, open your heart to the Holy Spirit, walk in humility, and then that's the sort of person that God is going to want to reveal things to Pray and ask God to give you wisdom by the Holy Spirit. Seek the things of God. Again, with that humble heart, you know, acknowledging that you don't know everything and just trying to ask God for some help. That's the person he will reveal things to. The person who claims to know everything, you know, and is rejecting the things of God, God's not going to show them things. But if you can go to the Lord with a, a spirit of repentance, you can Walk by faith, in humility, seeking the wisdom of God, loving the truth, wanting to grab hold of truth, even if it's something you don't like or you would otherwise disagree with. You're like, oh, I'm so glad I know that now. And you're open to the Holy Spirit. That's the type of person that God is going to reveal things to. So we want to get to the place where we can see the hidden holy things, where we can see with the right eyes. And this Jesus describes, if we just turn back a few pages in the book of Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 6, verses 22 and 23, Jesus says this, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness... How great is that darkness? So oftentimes in the scriptures, you'll see things like uh, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear, you know, stuff like that. And it's sort of a weird <laughs> thing uh, to be able to say, but it's all about having the eyes to see, the ears to hear. The holy thing is there, but can we see it? Are our eyes healthy? You know, can we see and have our bodies full of light? Do we see the good things, the, the God things, the holy things, or do we only see the dark things, the evil things, the jaded things? Do we have a distorted view of reality that misses the good things of God? You know, we don't want to have that distorted reality. We want to see with the right eyes. We want to have eyes that are healthy, 
that make our whole body full of light. So we want to see the holy thing, not miss the holy thing. Now, as a unbeliever and as a new believer, my understanding was actually quite slanted about the faith. My understanding of Christianity, people of faith, their mentality was actually quite slanted. I was seeing things with bad eyes so that my whole body was full of darkness. You know, that's the whole point of this sermon is I'm sure even to this day, there are things I'm missing. There are things that I don't have the vision to be able to see. Uh, I'm going to make the assumption that I'm missing some stuff, but boy, I can really tell back then I saw some dark things that weren't even real, uh, that were misinterpretations of reality. And so my body was full of darkness, you know, which is backwards from being full of light. And so let me just talk about a, a few of those. So when my eyes were bad and I didn't realize it, here are some of the things that I thought. I thought Christians were so mentally and emotionally weak that they were dependent on an imaginary friend, that they had made up a God and they were talking to this imaginary friend to get them through life. And well, if you're that ridiculous, I guess if that gets you through whatever, um, that was what I thought. Then as I became a Christian, I came into the Christian world, you know, that mentality began to change. But I thought some other things like these appeals for giving, you know, you go to church and people are always asking you for money. You know, uh, I just saw this as a, a simple manipulation for personal gain. You know, they're just tugging on people's heartstrings to get them to give towards something and so that they can pay for their own uh, situation and justify their own ministry and, and salary and all that stuff. Obviously, that's shifted a little bit. We prayed for our Kingdom Investments program today, so we'll talk about that in a little bit. And then I also thought about things like the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. I just thought that was ridiculous. I was like, you know, if you're going to tell me that some kind of miracle is happening, at least make me a decent miracle. Don't just babble nonsensically and then tell me that that's some sort of divine intervention. You know, you got to do more than that. You're not even really trying. I mean, that was <laughs> kind of my perspective. And I heard a preacher one time years ago, he said, what you're not down with you're down on. And I tell you, that just resonated with me because as I've gone through, you know, spiritual growth over time, there are so many things that I just didn't understand that I had a negative opinion about because I, I didn't have an understanding of it. I didn't have any history with it. I just sort of assumed it was ridiculous because I didn't know what was going on. I was caught up in just simple, ignorant negativity wasn't sophisticated. It was just simple, ignorant negativity. I don't know anything about that. I assume it's just dumb. So now I just feel foolish and ashamed about these sorts of perspectives that I had. I mean, when I was putting the notes together, just the pit in my stomach thinking, oh, I got to talk about this. You know, I don't <laughs> It's embarrassing, but guess what? You know, we, we go through processes and we learn and grow over time. And the point here is that there can be a holy thing and we can miss it and think that it's a bad situation. Our eyes can be bad and our whole bodies can be full of darkness. And that's not where we want to be. We want to see the holy thing. We want to search for that and grab hold of the good things. So I was caught in that simple, ignorant negativity I feel foolish and ashamed of that now. And the lesson I learned in all of this is I need to search for the holy thing because it's there if I see it or not. There's a holy thing there. 
There's a holy thing every day. There's a holy thing that we can see that we're missing. I need to search for the holy thing because it's there whether I see it or not. And so we'll extrapolate that to all of us. We need to search for the holy thing. We're missing some of the holy things of God. I hope you found some of the holy things of God, but we can miss the holy things of God. It's there if we see them or not. So let's go through some common examples, how we can miss the holy thing. First, I want to correct the three slanted views that I mentioned earlier. First, I thought Christians were so mentally weak that they were dependent on an imaginary friend. I realized, no, there's a holy thing there. We can actually have a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. We can be brought into a relationship with almighty God. We can become children of God, have uh, the Holy Spirit lead us through this life into everlasting life. That is a way different thing. Then being emotionally weak and caught up, you know, talking to an imaginary friend. The holy thing is you can have a real relationship with the creator of the universe, the living God who loves you and has a plan for you. That's the holy thing. Then, you know, I thought giving was a simple manipulation for personal gain, you know, appeals to giving. And the reality is we get to be part of something bigger than ourselves. We get to be part of advancing the kingdom of God and being a blessing to people all around the world through participating in missions work, participating in giving, participating in helping through financial giving. It's just an incredible opportunity that we have. And if we all stand together, then we can see amazing things happen. And besides, when the Christian is spirit-led in their giving, you know, giving tithes and offerings, following the ways of God with regards to submitting their financial life to God, then their financial life gets better anyway. So it's better for everybody. I mean, what an incredible thing it is to be part of God's economy. So that's the holy thing. It's very different from the jaded dark view that I had. And then the last one with regards to the Holy Spirit, in a couple of weeks, we'll talk about my process of learning about the Holy Spirit. But I got to tell you, uh, the Holy Spirit and things like spiritual gifts, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, this stuff is not just ridiculous things for goofy people, but there are things of God in that. And with me, you know, I had my uh, heart transplant experience just being hit by the power of God, the baptism in the Holy Spirit with personally, initial physical evidence of speaking in tongues, which I did not even believe in. You know, like I was, I thought it was ridiculous and God hit me with that. And I'm like, wow, I guess that's true. You know, I, I'm shocked that the Christians are right. And I can't even believe that those Christians are right. Like, you know, this is amazing, but I got to go with it now because I've seen it firsthand. And I've got to tell you that heart transplant, that's, that's where I can go from jaded, negative, to, you know, seeing the world through eyes of love, through eyes of faith, through eyes of hope, man, it's a life-changing deal. So embrace the Holy Spirit. It can, it can be the difference maker. Then let's talk about some other ways that we can miss the holy thing. How about in church? In church, you know, there's, there's music. So is this entertaining music to draw crowds? Or do we have spirit-led worship with people connecting with God in song? You know, you can experience it either way. And we try to do a good job. You know, we try to have a full worship team and and have it come across well. And people can think, oh, that's just, you know, a show. Well, that's not our intention. Our intention is to have spirit-led worship in song. And you can see it either way. If your eyes are good, you can participate in spirit-led worship. If you're not able to see that, I tell you, you're missing a holy thing. 
How about uh, with volunteering in church? Is it getting roped into doing the paid staff's job for them? Or are you taking your place in the body of Christ and honoring Jesus through your service to him in this life? Which is it? You're doing the church's staff's job for them, or are you taking your place in the body of Christ? That's a holy thing to take your place in the body of Christ, to fill the role God has destined you for, to walk with perseverance, the path he has for you, and to serve, you know, whatever that might be, you know, like kids ministry. Are you babysitting? Is that what you're doing in kids ministry? No, you are preparing the next generation of Christians to be able to walk with God, to know God from an early age and to not get sucked into the darkness of the world and pulled off track, but to walk with God and have history with God and grow with him and make their full potential in Christ. I mean, that's what you're doing there. And there's so many different ways of serving God. Now, how about the hospitality team? You know, we have greeters, people that say hi to you on your way in. And when I do the greeter training, I'm like, man, don't miss the holy thing. You know, there are people that come to church because they are desperate and they want to know, does anyone care? Is there a God or are they truly alone like they think they are? And if you can smile at them, and if next week you remember their name, it changes everything. Like that's a holy moment, a holy opportunity. Let's take it. You know, it's not just opening the door because, you know, some pastor told you you're supposed to open the door for people. It can be a holy moment where somebody realizes that there are people out there that care and there's a God that loves them. The front line is the greeter, man. Like that's a big deal. There's a holy thing there. Don't miss the holy thing. How about prayer? Is prayer just a pointless religious duty? You know what you have to do, but God's going to do whatever he's going to do anyway. So why even bother? But I guess we have to because we're supposed to. I don't know what the deal is, but we got to pray. It's a pointless religious duty, but we got to do it. Or can you spend time in the throne room of God and go get a miracle? Which is it? I tell you, prayer is going into the throne room of God. It is going before God boldly knowing that we are redeemed and forgiven and made worthy to approach God, to find help in our time of need. I mean, that's a big deal. Prayer is not a pointless religious duty that accomplishes nothing, but it is time in the throne room of God that can unleash the power of God in our world. That is worth it. It's a holy thing. We can have holy things in our daily life that we miss as well. Not just church life, you know, but in our daily life, in our personal lives. How about the baby wakes you up in the middle of the night and you got to feed the baby, change the baby, rock the baby to sleep. What's the holy thing there? You got a baby, a child created by God that's in your arms that you can nurture and bring into a relationship with him over time. That's a holy thing. You have a baby to raise with Jesus. You know, how about you going to work, your job's a hassle and bring a paycheck home, take care of your family. Is that a holy thing? I got to tell you, if you are diligently working to take care of your family, that's a holy thing. That's something that's honorable to God. There's a holy thing there in taking on that responsibility. How about being kind to the server at the restaurant? Can there be a holy thing there? You know, it isn't just people walking into church that are wondering if anybody cares and if there's a God in heaven, if there's any point to this life. A lot of times it's people we just meet out in our daily lives. And sometimes just being kind to somebody, giving them an opportunity to know that there's somebody out there that's at least, you know, a loving type of person that cares about people like them, that can make a huge difference. There can be a holy moment just being kind to the server. How about just taking a deep breath of morning air? That can be a holy thing. Be thankful. It can be a holy moment. We don't want to miss the holy things. I want to give a couple more examples from my life. 
One is one where I missed something kind of in that arrogant, you know, prideful way. And then another one is just something I just was unaware of, oblivious to. So talk about the first one. Years ago, I got to uh, the place where I really enjoyed being part of disaster response teams. We took a team down to Louisiana after Hurricane Katrina and Rita back in 05. And then uh, our church, this was back when I was in Big Fork, pastoring there. We were going down on these different missions trips, you know, in the United States disaster response. And we had the opportunity to go to Iowa in 2008 was after the big Cedar River flood in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and the river just, I mean, it was more than 50% higher crest than the previous record. You know, like usually you break a record by a little bit. This was by more than 50%. The the flood was huge. And there were all kinds of homes that weren't supposed to be flooded that were flooded. And so we're like, hey, let's get a group together. Let's go down to Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Let's go do some work, you know, help some people out. So we went down to Cedar Rapids, Iowa and and uh, the group we hooked up with gave us a house to start working on. And And it was a rental house. And we're like, well, you know, I don't know. I guess it's okay to be working on a rental house, but sort of want to help an old lady or something, you know, uh, we want to build rapport with the owner. You know, we don't even know if we'll meet this owner. It's just a rental house. And so we're working on it. And it was kind of a hassle too, because they kept changing the rules, you know, like the first one was like, oh, you just got to cut the bottom six inches of the drywall off in every room on the first floor and then it'll be okay. And then they're like, nah. So we did that, made a big mess, cleaned it all up. And I was like, no, you got to do two feet. So we did two feet, remessed up everything. And then they were like, nah, you know what? You got to do four feet. So then we go to four feet and redo everything. And by now it's two, three days. We're working on the same house. We're used to doing two houses in a day, you know, cause, cause we got good at that. And, and it's been two, three days. We're on the same house. It's a rental house and I'm getting an attitude. And then, uh, and then something happened. We got to meet the owner of the rental house and he was a, you know, early seventies man. Uh, he worked hard his whole life. And he's retired and he's got his house that he lives in and two rental houses that he saved up his whole life for in order to supplement his retirement. So he's got his little pension and he's got the two rental houses that he has income from. All three of his houses were outside of the 500-year floodplain. So he didn't have flood insurance on any of them. All three of them flooded. Uh, He's lost his rental house income. His house is ruined and he hasn't had debt since he was in his 20s. He's been living life the right way. Now he's got to take on a mortgage to get his house fixed so him and his wife can live in their house. And he's taken on a mortgage for the first time in 50 years. And we prayed with him and we encouraged him. And by my big teenager football players that did all the hard work for us, they're praying for him. And there was a holy thing there. And I just feel stupid that I didn't see it. Don't forget to look for the holy thing. Sometimes it doesn't look like it's there, but it is. That was a holy moment. And then the other personal example, this is one where I just missed something. When we planted the church in Big Fork, I had a plan. Here's the plan. We are going to pray. We're going to worship God. We're going to preach the word. People are going to get saved. And we're going to work together to reach the community in the world. This was my plan. And uh, what I realized later was that was a terrible plan. <laughs> I mean, those are all good things, but they're very incomplete. The plan was incomplete. There's nothing in there about bylaws and boards and budgets. You know, there was nothing about organizational structure, organizational management, leadership structure. There, there was nothing about that. 
And I just didn't have a appreciation of administration and organizational management with regards to the kingdom of God. And now when we came to Cloquet, got to plant another church here, then it was time like, okay, we're going to do that part right. We're going to do the budgets, the bylaws, and the boards part right. And let me tell you, that really catapults the opportunities in the kingdom of God. And so I came to realize, okay, church administration is a holy thing. Budgets, bylaws, and boards, when done right, can be the catalyst that allow you to really dig into prayer and worshiping God and preaching the word and people getting saved so you can work together and reach the community in the world. It can be the catalyst that allows you to do that unhindered instead of everything kind of crumbling and falling apart. So I saw the holy thing of administration for church. It's amazing. There are holy things out there that we don't always see. So we need to search for the holy thing. So let's find the holy thing each day. Let's look for it. It's there, but it can be elusive if we don't search for it. We can miss it. Operate under the assumption that you're missing something, that there is a holy thing there that you can't see. There's more to the story than what you know. When I came into Christian culture, I viewed something that was kind of a contradiction. I saw two things. I saw the profoundly deep. You know, I saw the things of God that change your life. I saw people brought, myself included, brought out of very dark things into the good things of God. You know, chains being broken, people set free, revelation, knowledge, and understanding, just the profoundly deep. But I also saw the incessantly shallow at the same time. And I thought, well, what's going on with that? How can there be the profoundly deep and the incessantly shallow at the same time? Back then, it was when everybody was trying to make the transition from hymns to contemporary worship, and there's all kinds of church splits and everybody fighting and all that stuff and just serious problems. And I thought, what is going on with that? Well, let's read Ephesians 2, 11 through 13, and let's, let's try to glean something from that and grab hold of how this works. Ephesians 2, starting verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. That sounds terrible. What's worse than being foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. Well, being without hope and without God in the church, that's worse. And when we miss the holy thing, we can be in the church and all we're left with then is the shallow. But let's keep going. There's more to it. But now in Christ Jesus, you ones who are far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Paul here is talking about the church coming together, the Jews and the Gentiles, the chosen people and those on the outside now being reconciled and brought together to be the family of God. And that is a holy, profound thing. And we need that in today's world. We need people coming together under Christ who are otherwise alienated from each other now coming together under Christ, loving God and loving each other. But here's the deal. If we miss the holy thing, If we are without hope and without God in the church, all we are left with is the shallow. All we are left with is trying to be entertained by the music and hope the preacher's funny and interesting. That's all we're left with is the the shallow. 
So we have to go for the holy thing. We have to search for the holy thing. We have to find the deep, meaningful thing in the song service, in the offering, in serving as a greeter. We have to find the holy thing in our daily devotions, our scripture reading, our prayer time. We have to go find the holy thing in our daily life because if we don't do that, we're left with the shallow. And I don't want you stuck with shallow Christianity because that's a disaster. We want to grab hold of the good things of God. We want to grab hold of the power of God. We want to grab hold of the holy things. I don't want you to miss the most holy thing, which is that you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He can be forgiven, set free. You can have new life in Christ, abundant life today, everlasting life in the future. That is available to you. I don't want you to miss that. I don't want you to live this life thinking that, you know, garbage happens and then you die. I want you to know that there's a God in heaven that has a plan for you and you can, you can become an overcomer, man. You can get to that place of knowing God and knowing you have a future and, and you can see the holy thing instead of thinking you're just here, random chance, and pretty soon you're going to be worm food. There's a holy thing in your life. And I don't want you to miss that. So let's pray and let's grab hold of that holy thing. Heavenly Father, you are so good. Thank you, Lord, that you see something in us that is holy, that is worth redeeming, that is worth making a co-heir with Christ, that is worth giving everlasting life to. And Father, we thank you for the sacrifice that was made, that that could happen, that the wages of sin is death, but that wage is paid by Jesus on the cross. And so we are set free. Hallelujah for that. Lord, anyone listening right now who does not know that that relationship with you is possible, let them right now just seek you and proclaim faith that what Jesus has done on the cross is sufficient for them and that they may ask for forgiveness of sins and new life and pledge their life to walk with you. I know if they do that, that you will meet them right where they're at and show them a holy thing, a new life in walking with you, a new hope, a new joy, a new peace. You have that for them. Let them not miss that holy thing. And Father, for those who believe, let us not get caught in the shallow, in the meaningless, but let us search for the holy thing that we can see that in each situation, each day, over and over, we can spot the holy thing and walk in the holy thing. So Lord, bless us to be able to see. Give us eyes that are good and ears that can hear so that we can serve you and participate in the holy in this world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.